Lord Jesus, let that be our prayer, that you would teach us to abide, that we would depend on you above everything else in our lives. Is that true for you this morning, that Jesus is where you find your ultimate dependence? Listen, if you have a Bible, I invite you to open to John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter number six. We're in a series that we've been in for several weeks. We've skipped some. We've come back to some. We are finding ourselves back in John chapter six. The series is come and see. The whole idea is that we're invited into a relationship with Jesus to come and see what nothing else can do, what nothing else can satisfy, what nothing else can be depended on other than Jesus. Listen, as you're finding John chapter six, I was going to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever heard of the word foodie? Anybody? A foodie? Have you heard of that word before? All right, seven of you, I appreciate that. I consider myself to be what we would call a foodie. Now, there are several articles out there that you can read that actually help you determine with whether or not you are officially a foodie. But I'm a self-proclaimed foodie based on a definition that I found. Here's the definition. It's two-part. Here's the first part. A foodie is someone who has a refined interest in food. Someone who has a refined interest in food. If that's a checkbox, listen to me, friends, check. That is me. I have a refined interest in food. But let me tell you the second part of the definition. A foodie is someone who eats food not only out of hunger, but as a hobby. Anybody in the room feel that presence, right? Like if there's a checkbox out there, yes, put a check by it because that is me. I don't just eat because I'm hungry. Even if I am not hungry, I am going to find something to eat. It is more like a hobby than it is something that I need. Anybody else in the room feel that? You are a self-proclaimed, right now I give you the permission, you are self-proclaimed foodies in the room. Now listen, most of us will stop to eat about 20 to 25 times per week. Some of you might be a little less, good job. Some of you might be a little more. That would be me. I know you can't tell it from my physical physique, but yes, I enjoy eating. In fact, most of us have eaten at least once already today, and we will eat again at least one more time. We eat alone. We eat with others. We include this activity in most every festive occasion, and sometimes, by the way, food is the festive occasion. Most of us plan our day around what we eat next, or at least when we plan to stop and eat. Now, keep going with me. We celebrate food as art. We savor it as luxury. We share it as communion and even abuse it as therapy. There's never been a travel brochure that didn't highlight the importance of what you would be eating and how often you would be eating it. It's the primary subject of countless magazines, books, websites, and television shows. In fact, we have entire channels, that's right, more than one, dedicated to the preparation and consumption of food. Now, maybe you're in here this morning, you go, you know, I don't quite share that same enthusiasm about food as others, and maybe not. But here's what I would guarantee. Every one of us in this room eat. Why? Because if we don't eat, we will not survive. All of us have common ground. Guess what we do? We have some type of interest in food. Even if that interest is nothing more than without it, we can't go on. But 
Did you know that Jesus takes something like food, something that we need to survive, and he compares it to how much we need him? He talks about our dependence on food because without it we can't live, and he compares it to our dependence upon him. As a matter of fact, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Now, this is a famous statement. It's what most people refer to as the first I am statement of Jesus. There are several throughout the Gospel of John. The significance of the I am statements comes from a conversation between Moses and God back in Exodus chapter 3. Many of you may be familiar with this story, but just in case you're not, let me help you key in on it. When God decides to free his people from captivity, the captivity that they've experienced for years and years in Egypt, he finds a man by the name of Moses. However, when God tells Moses that he wants to send him to free his people, Moses comes up with every possible excuse that he can for why he's not the one who should go. But finally, Moses lets go of all that and he asks God a question. He says, God, when I get there, who do I tell them has sent me? And God famously responds with this statement, I am who I am. Moses, tell the people, I am has sent me to you. Now here's how they would have understood what God meant by this statement. Here's what he meant. The one without beginning or end, eternal, unchanging, the source of life itself has sent me to you. Now think about that for a moment. It's no surprise that Jesus would use this phrase over and over and over throughout the Gospel of John, throughout his ministry here on earth when describing himself. It was meant to get their attention. Think about Moses. He was a hero to the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, Moses is a hero to most of us in this room, and rightly so. He's a huge piece in the foundation of our faith. And in the Gospel of John, there's tons of symbolism between Moses and Jesus, just like there's symbolism between food and Jesus. But here's what Jesus wanted them to understand. He wanted them to understand that though Moses was great. Jesus is better. Sure, Moses parted the Red Sea, but I don't know if you remember this, a few verses before the moment that we're about to read, Jesus walks on the sea. Yes, Moses went up on a mountain to receive God's commandments, but Jesus went up on a mountain not to receive God's commandments, but to fulfill God's commandments. Certainly Moses was able to provide them with manna from heaven, but Jesus would be the bread of life. No matter how you think about Moses, Jesus is better. Now, no doubt, Moses was there at the first Passover. This is what set the Hebrew people free from the bondage of Egypt. And I'm certainly not downplaying the importance of Moses. But Jesus would be the last Passover lamb that freed all people from the bondage of sin forever. Friend, we have a much better Moses. His name is Jesus. We know we need food to survive. Without it, we die. Jesus is making a much bigger point about himself, even better than food, even better than Moses. We have all we need in Jesus. He is the bread of life. You know what he's saying? 
ultimate dependence for us in this life can fall on nothing other than Jesus. As a matter of fact, we'll spend several weeks in this conversation that Jesus has with these crowds and with his disciples. We will wrestle with this idea of Jesus being the bread of life. But what we discover in the beginning of this conversation, listen to me, is life-changing. I don't care if you're in the room this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. Listen to me, this moment will be life-changing. If you are a follower of Jesus, I don't care how many years it's been, this moment, this statement by Jesus is life-changing. What we discover about Christ in this passage moves us beyond what we could ever imagine. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, look at John chapter 6, starting in verse 22, and let's take a journey and discover our dependence on Jesus. Watch this. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum. Watch this. Seeking Jesus. Now let's pause here for a moment. Let me help build this scene. This is the same crowd that earlier in John chapter 6, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus feeds thousands of them with just a few fish and a few loaves. Now, according to the account of Matthew and Mark's gospels, Jesus sent the disciples away before he dismissed the crowds. So here's what the crowds knew before they went home for the evening. They watched the disciples get in a boat, leave out onto the sea. They saw Jesus go somewhere else besides where the disciples were going, and they went home. So for them, here's what they assumed. On the next day, when they got up, we'd go back to the last place we saw Jesus, and we will find him there again. So that's what they do. But guess what? He's not there. So when they don't find him there, they look among the other boats that are on the shore. He's also not there. So when Jesus wasn't among those boats either, John informs us a beautiful phrase. What do they do? They still continue seeking Jesus. Now I find this simple statement from John to be amazing. The crowd was seeking Jesus. And it reminded me of a very important truth for my own life. Here it is. We're all seeking something. You want to know why? Because we're all missing something. That's key to what's happening in the conversation that Jesus is about to have with these crowds, with his disciples, and with anybody else who's on the fringe listening to what's happening. Every person in this room this morning has a void in their life because each of us have been broken by sin. But God sent Jesus, the bread of life, to mend what was broken to fill the void that nothing else could fill. That desire, that seeking, that searching, that longing for Jesus who a few moments before had filled their bellies with food, that longing is not just true for them, it's true for every person on the planet. Why? Because we're all missing something. In fact, they're not even really sure what it is. 
In John chapter 6, verse 15, they call Jesus the prophet who is to come into the world. In fact, if you keep reading in John chapter 6, look at verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. He knows that. Everybody is seeking Jesus. They may not know it, just like this crowd didn't know it, but he knows what everyone is seeking. But watch what he says. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Listen, they didn't know who Jesus was. In their minds, if he was a king that was going to overthrow the Romans, then they were ready to lift him up. If he was a chef that would fill their bellies every day, he was willing to lift him up. But according to what Jesus just said in John 6, they don't seem interested in who Jesus really is. A ruler? Sure. A chef? Great. The savior of my soul? I don't know about that. In fact, this is why Jesus sidesteps their question altogether. He doesn't answer what they asked him. He goes to the root. They don't really care about where he came from. What they care about is why Jesus left them and went back to Capernaum without them. What they're concerned with is when will Jesus feed them again? As usual, they miss the bigger picture. They don't even know who Jesus is. Yet, you know what's fascinating about Jesus? Though they don't know who Jesus is and they don't know what they will actually reject in the future, they are still seeking exactly who they needed most. They didn't realize that seeking after Jesus was who they really longed for, for the desires of their soul. They didn't get that. They just thought they were going to fill their bellies again. They missed the point. However, even in their ignorance, they were still seeking what was most important. Friends, how many people do we know, especially since many of us were those people who were seeking Jesus whether they know it or not? You say, Danny, what do you mean? Everybody's seeking to fill the void. They may not know that Jesus is what fills the void, but he is. They may not know what they're seeking, but Jesus is what they're seeking. Listen to me, friends. We know what they're seeking. It's Jesus. How often do we encounter people who are trying to fill the void with something else, and yet what they don't realize is it's Jesus that they're missing all along. But what I love even more about this moment is that this crowd, though they don't know Jesus and though they don't even realize that who they're seeking is who they should be seeking, what's even more beautiful is that though they don't know any of this, they know where to find him. Isn't that incredible? Think about this for a moment. Maybe they overheard Jesus when he talked to the disciples about crossing over to Capernaum. Maybe they knew that Jesus was from Capernaum. That's where he set up his home base of ministry. So if we're going to find him somewhere, we're going to have to go there. Or listen to me, maybe Jesus had made such an impact on that area. He had become so famous in that context that all people from all around knew if you were going to find Jesus, this is where you're going to find him. Now let that settle in for a moment. If we're all seeking something because we're all missing something, wouldn't it be awesome if the people who are missing something know where to find it? Wouldn't it be awesome if our community that's lost and broken knows that they can come to us because we know Jesus, they can come here because we have the answer, they can find hope through Christ? Wouldn't it be great if we've impacted our community, if we've made Jesus famous enough that people know when they're ready? They know where they can find Jesus. Listen, friends, let me key you in on a truth. We're all seeking something because we're all missing 
something. Listen, friend, you might be here this morning and you don't know Jesus any more than that crowd on that day. Sure, maybe you've seen Jesus do some great things in other people's lives. Maybe you've even seen him do great things in your own. Sure, maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've experienced great worship services, but that's not the question. Jesus sidesteps their misinformed question. Here's the question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him? Maybe you're here this morning, you're still searching for something because you're still missing something. Friend, you're missing Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning, you gave your life to Jesus years ago, but you've become so distant from him for so long that you feel as lost as you were before you ever knew him. Sure, you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, but do you still find yourself searching for something because you know you're missing something? You're missing an ongoing relationship every day with the one who saved your soul. Christian, what if I told you today that what you're missing is Jesus? You're missing the relationship he wants with you every day. Friends, regardless of whether you're a follower of Christ today or not, what's your relationship with Jesus like today? Maybe you find yourself searching for something you're missing, and maybe you need to repent and turn to Jesus, or maybe you need to repent and turn back to Jesus. Either way, here's what I know. Everyone is seeking something because everyone is missing something. Friend, we need Jesus. But watch this. Go to verse 27. This is just the, this is just the opening statement. Watch this. Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now listen, don't, we're all missing something. And that something is far beyond the physical. What we need is spiritual, and it can never be satisfied through the physical. I love what Herschel Hobbes wrote about the phrase, uh, your fill. This is back in verse 26, when Jesus said, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. That phrase, your fill, is a verb used to express the idea of feeding cattle. Let that settle in for a moment. One reference uses it in the sense of a cow eating her food, filling her stomach, yet never saying thanks or asking where the food came from or for what purpose it was given. It's used in the sense of being gorged in Revelation chapter 19. The crowd had gorged itself and nothing more. They sought Jesus on this morning simply because it was feeding time again. Like so many today, they thought more of their stomachs than they did of their souls. In so short a time, they had gone from being gorged to being hungry again. You want to know why, friends? This is what Jesus points out next. Because we can never satisfy spiritual needs by physical means. Never. We can never fill the void in our life with anything else 
other than Jesus. Why? Because you can never satisfy spiritual needs by physical means. Danny, what do you mean by this? How many, right? How many people do we know? In fact, how many of us in this room right now this morning, how many of us think that we can satisfy the hunger within our souls with something that can never satisfy? How many of us try to satisfy spiritual needs by physical means? Here's what I mean. How many of us think, well, you know what? If I just had that job or that career, I would be happy. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with a good job or a good career or wanting that. But if you find your fulfillment in that, friends, it will never give you what you hope it will give you. You say, well, Danny, that's not me. Well, maybe you're like this. If I had that amount of money, then I would be happy. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. As a matter of fact, Lord, if you decide that you would like to give me more money, I'm good with that, right? But if you find your fulfillment in money or possessions, friends, listen, it can never meet that promise. Or if I had that spouse or that person in my life, I'd be happy. Nothing wrong with a good spouse or that great relationship. But if you're seeking your fulfillment in physical means for spiritual needs, it will never happen. If I had that house, that family, that success, you fill in the blank with whatever you use to try to satisfy the hunger within your soul. Friend, listen to me. It will never satisfy. Why? Because we can never satisfy spiritual needs by physical means. Now, they don't get it. Matter of fact, jump to verse 30, because watch what they say. They said to him, talking to Jesus, right? He's opening up his entire life to him. Don't seek this type of work or this type of food. Seek me. I will give you what you need. And so they said to him, then what sign do you do, right? Dance for me, monkey. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now listen, before I ask myself, how can they continue to miss him? Here's what I have to realize. I do this very same thing all the time. I don't know who else in the room knows this, but listen, every time Jesus does something for me, it's awesome for a moment until I need him again. And then there I am again, doubting and fearing and wondering if he's going to come through for me. So what do I do? Jesus, give me more manna. Jesus, make another sign happen. Jesus, show up again. If you're really great, why won't you do what I want you to do? And here we are finding ourselves in the same place as them, looking for spiritual fulfillment through physical means, and it will never happen. As a matter of fact, they bring up Moses and the manna during the wilderness. Think about what they're actually saying. All these plagues happened. And what do they do when they're over? They're begging for God to do something else. Then he parts the Red Sea. What happens when they get on the other side? They're whining again about what he's going to do next for them. Then he sends manna from heaven. He brings water from a rock. He sends quail when they want meat. Over and over and over, he shows himself true. And once again, they seek physical means to satisfy spiritual needs. And the entire time, God's trying to scream out to them, it's not those things. Yes, I'm providing for you what you need, but don't worship the need, the provision. Worship me. I'm the one who will satisfy. I'm the one who will fulfill your life. Friends, how many of us get caught up in this same thing? 
Listen, it's not manna from heaven. It's not water from a rock. Our provisions today are a little different than what it looked like with them wandering around in the wilderness. I'll give you that. But how many of us need to hear from Jesus today? It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter about what career, what house, what family. It doesn't matter about all these things that you long for in a physical reality. They're good. Thank God for them. They're blessings. Amen. I love my people. But if I continue to try to find my satisfaction in all of those things, I never will. You want to know why? Because we can never satisfy spiritual needs by physical means. Let's keep going. I got to hurry up. Matter of fact, they, they want it, right? They still miss it. Verse 34, they said to him, sir, give us this bread. He's not talking about bread. Everyone is searching for something because everyone is missing something. And we can't satisfy what's missing with physical means because it's a spiritual need. But Jesus isn't done. Jump back to verse 28. Watch this. Then they said to him, right? Jesus has told him, listen, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And the son of man will give it to you. So watch what they said to him. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered him, watch it. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Listen, if, if they don't need to work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, then what should they be doing? It's a fair question from the crowd. They still don't understand what Jesus is telling them. So they're asking, okay, if it's a work we have to do, then what is the work that you want for us? Literally, here's their question. What shall we do? to work the works of God. Now let that settle in for a moment. You know how sometimes you think something and you don't realize how dumb it sounds until you say it out loud? You ever fell into that category? <sighs> Every day for me, by the way. This is one of those moments for them. Do they hear what they're saying? We can't do the works of God. They're works of God, right? Like how do they not hear it? But listen to me. Isn't there even a hint of pride in their statement. Here's what they're saying. What can I do to earn salvation? What can I do to make myself worthy of what you're talking about? Is this not what religion always tries to do? In fact, listen, religion always has an answer to the question, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? You, you with me? Listen, fast says Islam. As a matter of fact, it sets apart an entire month of Ramadan for that purpose. Fast, there's your works, and you'll receive eternal life. Do penance, we hear from Roman Catholicism. Earn indulgences, say masses, torture your body. Perform sufferings of physical endurance, says Hinduism. Keep the law according to the tradition of the elders. That's what the rabbis said. They were so focused on the word work that they missed what Jesus had told them. Listen to what he said. The son of man will give to you. They're familiar with working hard. They always had to. And for them, they assumed that receiving what God had for them would have to be done the same way. In fact, their religious efforts from the moment they were born had taught them to work and work and do and be better and strive and try harder. But listen, Jesus, is revealing some very good news to them. Friend, listen to me. He's revealing some very good news to us. The only work required is no work at all. 
Let this settle for a moment. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 55.1. Listen, he's been preparing them for this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, listen, he who has no money, come, buy and eat. How are we going to buy if we don't have any money? Listen to what he says. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. God, how am I going to buy it if I don't have any money? That's the point. You can't buy it, but he still says come. You can't earn it, but he offers it freely. You can't do enough. So guess what? He does the work on our behalf. We just have to come. I love what Jesus teaches in this moment. He clearly presents the message of salvation to them. Believe in him whom he sent. Listen to me. Don't miss this truth. Focus on it. Watch this. What costs God everything costs us nothing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the incredible good news of the gospel of Jesus, that by grace through faith you can be saved? Listen, they were looking for tasks. They were looking for to-do lists, but Jesus was looking for trust. As a matter of fact, Jesus was the first to tell us what Paul would later write in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Matter of fact, I love how the hymn writer puts it in that old hymn, Rock of Ages. Listen to this statement. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? For all sin would not, for all, all for sin would not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Listen, it's only because of Jesus. Now friend, listen, I'm not saying salvation didn't cost anything. It cost God everything. As a matter of fact, he sacrificed his son so that we could be free. But here's what I am saying. Though it costs God everything, it costs us nothing. Jesus is clear. Receive and believe. In fact, he's already told us this in John chapter 1. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, friend, here's what it takes. It takes you letting go of your way and embracing Jesus in faith. Will you trust him? Listen, we're all searching for something because we're all missing something. We're missing Jesus. And listen, though we try, we can't satisfy spiritual needs by physical means. It's only through Jesus. And though it's hard, though it's hard to believe what costs God, everything costs us nothing. We can trust in him by faith and receive all that we will ever need. But please, 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 I got one more thing. It's one more thing that Jesus wants the crowd to know. Look at verse 35. Watch what he says. This is the big statement, right? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Listen to this. This is a blessing. All who come to Jesus, he will never cast out. Watch it. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will. Watch it. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone 
who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Listen, Jesus couldn't make it more plain as he did here. I am the bread of life. Think of the satisfaction that he describes. You shall not hunger. You shall never thirst. Think about what that means to our bodies physically. We need food and water to survive. That's why we become hungry again. That's why we become thirsty again. That's why Jesus Jesus uses this metaphor. We need him like we need water and food, and we can have him forever. Don't miss this, friends. Jesus alone can satisfy the hunger of our souls. Friend, how many times have we been exactly how he's describing? You know what he said about them? He said, you have seen and yet you still don't believe. They have been with the one who can end their hunger and thirst forever, and they still missed it. How many times has that been you? How many times has that been me? How many more chances will Jesus have to give us before we receive him, before we trust him, before we walk every day in the satisfaction that only comes from Jesus? Listen, you can come to him freely, and he will never cast you out. He will never leave you, but he he will raise you up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Physical bread may sustain life, but it cannot give life. Jesus, the living bread, the true bread, gives life and sustains Life. Friends, listen, so many this morning have been looking for satisfaction in anything but Jesus. That might be you. You might say, Danny, I have been looking for fulfillment in everything else except the very one that I need to run to. That might be you, friend. I know plenty of times it's me. But I want to let you in on something. I want to tell you that Jesus is looking for foodies. That's right, I said it. Jesus is looking for spiritual foodies who know their survival, their nourishment, their satisfaction can only be found in him. Now listen to me. You might be here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. I know you're in here. And I bet you're tired. And I bet nothing you've tried has ever satisfied the craving of your soul. And maybe you've always wondered why. Well, friend, I know you're seeking something because I know you're missing something. I was there too. Friend, you can only find satisfaction through Jesus. As a matter of fact, today you can surrender your life to Christ. Here's what we learn in the Bible from Romans chapter 10. Listen to it. Don't miss it. It's so crucial. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen to this. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Friend, that can be you today. Today you can place your faith in him by confessing him as the Lord of your life and believing that he alone can save you from your sins. Will you today simply pray, just you and God, and ask him to save you and lead you for the rest of your days? Listen, if that's you, now let me invite you to something, friend. Just a moment, I'm gonna be back there in that lobby. And I'd love to take my Bible and show you what it looks like to begin a relationship with Jesus. If that's you and you say, Danny, I've been finding my satisfaction in everything except for Jesus and I'm ready. I'm broken. I want what I can have in Christ. And friend, listen, in just a moment, we're gonna sing, we're gonna respond. We're gonna have a time to worship, to give back from what Jesus has given us today. And if you need Christ, 
I'll be in that lobby and I'd love to meet with you. You just come back there and say, hey, Danny, listen, I'm hungry. I need the bread of life. And if you need Jesus, man, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you so that you can have new life. But listen, I don't want you to miss this. Believers in the room. Okay, let me talk to you for a moment. Even though Jesus is talking to a crowd that's yet to trust in him, you know who else is in that crowd that he is very much talking to as well? His own disciples. Say, Danny, how do we know that? Because later in John chapter six, he's gonna require a response from them too. So guess what? He requires a response from every believer in the room as well. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Just because you've given your life to Jesus, made a decision however many years ago, doesn't mean that every day you still don't have to wake up and make the decision to follow after Jesus. Just because you tasted of the bread doesn't mean that every day you don't need that same bread to sustain you for the rest of your days. Friend, Jesus is the true bread. He is the one who satisfies the deepest cravings of our soul. But Christian, listen to me. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel like you're not satisfied either. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Danny, I've been a Christian for years and I still find myself to be hungry. What do I do? Well, friend, it could very well be because it's been a long time since you've partaken of Jesus again. Maybe it's been a long time since you sat at the table and feasted on the one who provides the ultimate satisfaction for your life. You know what I would say? Certainly, if you're lost in the room, you've been trying to fill a void by physical means that really you can't because it's a spiritual need. But listen to me, Christian, I guarantee if you're like me, you still found yourself falling in that same boat again. You still found yourself eating at other tables, trying to satisfy your soul with other things, trying to fulfill the void in your own life that Jesus says and showed you a long time ago. It could only be found in him. So listen to me, Christian, what does that look like for you this year? Are you gonna spend some time eating with the one who can satisfy the deepest cravings of your soul? Because if you feel like you're missing something, listen to me, friend, you are. And his name is Jesus. Listen, the challenge is so clear to us this morning. Do we depend on the only one who can provide for everything that we need? Have we gotten fallen in a situation where we love what's been provided more than the provider? Because that happens. Don't do it, friend. Listen, you might be here today. You need to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. Praise God, I wanna tell you about Christ. But I know there's a whole lot of other people in the room who don't need to repent and turn to Jesus. You need to repent and turn back to Jesus, right? You found yourself wandering in another direction. Hey, Christian, listen, maybe you need to fall on your face at this altar this morning. Maybe you need to get away somewhere in this room and spend some time with Jesus. Maybe you need to turn your pew into an altar and you and Jesus need to have a moment. Because listen, you know why you're so hungry? because you've been trying to find satisfaction in everything else besides Jesus. He's it, friends. May we hear from him and obey him. May we walk and feast with Jesus every day as he is the only one who can satisfy the hunger for our souls. Friends, don't try to fill a spiritual need by physical means. It won't happen. Listen, Jesus already paid the price. He's the only one who can satisfy our souls right now. Maybe you need to spend some time with him and reflect and remember what it's like to follow the one who's changed everything. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome.